Good morning and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we discuss how to show up well for the opportunities and responsibilities that life sends our way. Today, we're going to have a conversation about emotional immaturity and how it relates to trauma. Thanks so much for tuning in. All right, so as we get started here, I want to be very clear that I didn't write up show notes just because I woke up at about 5.30 and thought, man, I should have recorded this last night, and I didn't, so let's just put something together and see if it see if see if it turns out okay so bear with me if it's rough you know you can give me that feedback too but i do want to have a conversation about emotional immaturity so in the last episode i shared some of the pieces that run for me in my brain that is affected by trauma so um i've i've had a a response to traumatic events and because of that i've made some choices throughout life that help protect me, help wire me for survival. And my job is to work on dismantling some of those coping strategies and some of those defense mechanisms. But my job is also to understand the emotional immaturity that often runs with trauma. And one of the ways I can illustrate that is I was having a conversation with um, a friend this last week where they were telling me about kind of an overreaction that they had. And one of the questions I ask most clients, I also ask this with um, partners. So if a husband reports that a wife is overreacted or a wife reports that a husband is overreacted, or if, if we're talking about people in our lives we love where there's, there's overreactions going on, there's a, a key question to ask. And the question is, what age do you think they show up as in that conversation? which can sound really hokey, right? So if someone's having a conversation with me and they they could very easily say, oh, Steph's 34, there's a 34-year-old, pardon me, there's a 34-year-old showing up there. And while that's normally true, um, I I am a full-functioning adult. I am, you know, moderately intelligent. I can have conversations about many things. And most of the time, I'm showing up as a 34-year-old woman. What we run into, though, is when trauma affects us, we sometimes might show up in a different form. And what I mean by that is we might show up with some regressive behaviors. I have two very specific seasons of trauma that I can kind of tap into when I'm feeling helpless or overwhelmed. If I am moderately helpless and don't know how to maneuver, It shows up in sarcasm. It shows up in some pretty big defensiveness. It shows up in some like skepticism or or I can shut down pretty quickly. And I understand that it's not my current self doing that. Those are actually the defense mechanisms that I would have used when I was about 15 years old, which tracks because 15 was such a kind of a violent season in my life. And when I say violent, I don't mean physically violent. I mean, just just emotionally jarring. Um, 15 and 16 were just rife with many life experiences that were, were immobilizing, overwhelming. And I can look back and understand that that's about the time I started wearing uh, black clothing pretty exclusively. So a very outward expression of struggle. That's also the time that I started to heavily lean on sarcasm and I started to uh, really learn how to push people away by... Um, just being emotionally kind of shut down or emotionally unavailable. So if I'm in a situation now where I start to emotionally shut down or feel really awkward, 
really heavily depend on sarcasm. Um, it, it is just a ridiculous defense mechanism that shows up when I'm feeling really vulnerable. I can, I can say to myself, I can say, Steph, I get what's happening here. It's not you showing up. It's this younger piece of you that feels really insecure right now. So if, I, if I'm going to be self-aware, I'm going to have to kind of scan and check in and say, why are you acting like an angsty 15-year-old? Because that's what's happening here. My other trigger point is even um, kind of even more regressed. And a big piece of my story really happens around the ages of five and six. Now, there were copious unfoldings in that uh, particular time that affected relationships, that affected kind of feelings of safety, um, things that affected my understanding of the world. And, you know, I again, I parceled through what my brain does as as a way to grapple with a, perf- a pervasive sense of being unsafe. When I feel profoundly unsafe, I become immobilized much the same way a six-year-old would, five or six-year-old. That's my second trigger state. And so when I am unable to make decisions, when I am unable to see options, right? When I get into really rigid black and white thinking, some of that's coming from the trigger point of being about five or six years old. And I can I can really track that that's what my, my mind is doing. It's reverting back to a simpler time where there has to be a simple explanation. I want to understand the world around me. I heavily depend on other people to help me reorient. If you think of a six-year-old, a six-year-old's not going to have like any sort of self-agency or self-efficacy where they can go and learn about the world around them. So when I'm feeling particularly immobilized, I heavily depend on people who are around me to help me make my decisions. And again, it's not a 34-year-old woman showing up in those situations. It's a very triggered place. It's a very insecure and, and scared place that shows up. And for me, that's around ages 15, 16, and that's around ages 5 and 6. The reason that matters is because we have to acknowledge that that's what's going on if we're going to do something about it. So when I was talking with my friend this week and she was telling me about some big reactions she was having, I said to her, I said, okay, you're in your 40s. That doesn't sound like a proper way to navigate a situation when you're in your 40s. And so I said, what do you think is showing up there? What is happening that you are completely immobilized? If we had to put an age to it, an emotional maturity age to it, what do you think's running there? And she kind of thought about it for a minute. She said, you're, you're right. It's definitely not me in my 40s showing up. And um, she said, at best, you know, I was, I was feeling helpless. I was feeling scared. I started to kind of shut down. She said, that sounds like when I was around 13 and 14 and this particular event happened in my life. And I said, okay, I, I want you to consider how often does that 13 or 14-year-old show up to handle life because you at ages, you know, 35 and 40 and 45 don't know what to do. You you become immobilized. And she said, yeah, I, I do think these particular um, episodes happen somewhat frequently. When I'm scared, when I'm upset, when I'm overwhelmed, I revert to a 14-year-old because, and then she shared part of her story about what happened at ages 14 and 15 that have imprinted on her. So the reason this really matters is number one, it gives her self-awareness. She can understand that, oh, this this is what I do. This is where I go. The same way I can say, yep, that was my 15-year-old self or that was my six-year-old self. Insight isn't going to change anything. Knowing that we regress mature-wise, maturity-wise, yes. Knowing that we regress in our emotional maturity doesn't change a single thing. Once we understand it, though, we start to have choices. And we start to say, 
wait a second, is it accurate? And, and this is in my story. Steph, is it accurate that you are an immobilized six-year-old? Or might you just be feeling vulnerable and you have to try new strategies to self-soothe, probably, but also to solve whatever this current issue is? So I'm, I'm not helpless. I don't need to stay immobilized because I can ask myself, Steph, you're 34. Are you able to handle this differently? And often, even asking that question can kind of jostle me into a new understanding of, okay, this is my trauma response. I can do something because I'm not an incapacitated six-year-old or I'm not an angsty 14 or 15-year-old without choices. So asking the question can be really helpful. What you cannot do is give yourself a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? You can't say, well, yeah, I'm, I am being 15-year-old right, uh, right now, but life's been tough and this is how I get my needs met and it's okay. Or, yeah, I am a six-year-old and what comes out of my mouth is impulsive and it's, you know, somewhat irrational and, and that's okay because that's who I am. Yes, that's true. It's, it's maybe where you're at right now. There is a huge cost if you decide that this is where you get to stay because we don't get to stay in our regressed behaviors and call it healthy. We don't get to stay in our regressed behaviors and call it okay. And we have to understand that if we choose to stay in our regressed behaviors, there's going to be cost to relationships and there's going to be cost to our own trajectory. We're going to stymie any type of self-growth if we use this understanding as a justification for our behaviors. That was my alarm. I apologize for that. But it's imperative that we say, okay, if I understand this to be true about myself, what can I do with it? I think this is also an episode that if you're, if you're walking a path with someone that is trauma affected and uses it as an excuse, it, it might just be because they don't know that they have other choices. This might be something to pass along and say, hey, I wonder if your younger self is showing up here. And if that's true, what could we do to skill build? What could we do to manage anxiety? What could we do to start owning our narrative and starting to shift things? Because those are all choices. You do not have to stay in a regressed state and, and think through it critically. Who wants to be immobilized? Who wants to feel overwhelmed? Who wants to feel vulnerable and unsafe and have this pervasive sense of, of dis-ease? I, I don't know many people that do unless you're getting your needs met that way. And if you are, that's another time, another another um, discussion. But it's imperative to say, this is where I'm at, and now I have choices. And, and trauma is nefarious, my friends. Trauma is something that paints pictures that are so inaccurate, and we have to start to challenge what our brain is saying. We have to just ardently fight back against the, um, well, this is how it's always been, this is how it's always going to be, sense of despair. I mean, self-agency matters. And I walk with so many people who step into their own self-agency for the first time and we we rewrite their current, but we also get to reshape their past and we get to redirect their future. It doesn't happen though if we don't start to ask questions. And one of those questions is who's showing up here right now? Is this me or is this part of my younger self? I do just by way of kind of psychoeducation, if you are someone who grew up in a family where addiction was normalized and where either abuse or neglect stemmed from addiction, you probably grew up in a family where emotional immaturity was rampant. People with vices, where vices run their life, it is often a trauma response or it is some sort of uh, coping strategy where they don't know how to deal with the hard stuff well, so they deal with it through self-medication. 
And what you are seeing in front of you is probably rampant emotional immaturity. One of uh, When I work with clients who come from homes with addiction, one of the very first books I recommend to them is called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. And it, it doesn't just run in addictions. Many of us grow up with emotionally immature parents. And if you expect to be a, like emotionally well, but your models and your mentors have been emotionally immature, you might not even see your actions as a problem because it might have been normalized. So we have people that have been modeled um, emotional immaturity. Then we have people who have been trauma affected and there's some emotional immaturity going on. But in any of those contexts, you've just got to want to do it differently. And then you've got to surround yourself well and help guide people towards doing it differently. As it relates to relationships, if you have a partner that morphs when things are getting vulnerable or things are shifting or, or things are uncomfortable and they start to show a lot of emotional immaturity, there's a very good chance that there's trauma in their story. So this is a question I ask clients, not just to self-evaluate, but when they come in and they say, you know, I was having a conversation with my boyfriend and he just flew off the handle and it felt disproportionate and he got so defensive. I'll, I'll slow the conversation down and I'll say, I want you to tell me if you looked at stages of development, was he acting like a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 21-year-old? Please tell me what you think that that looked like. And you can often reference like, um, you know, did they seem like an elementary student or a middle school student or a high school student or, or a young college kid? You can, you can kind of put it in that context so someone can wrestle with, like, they're not going to say like, oh, he was very much a seventh grade. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll just go with seventh grade. He was very much a, a seventh grade 12 to 13 year old people probably won't be that oddly specific, but they might be able to say something like, oh yeah, they were acting like a, a middle schooler, what, what I would expect out of a middle schooler. They were acting what I would expect a, an elementary student to act like. When we can pinpoint that type of um, dynamic that we're observing, usually the very next thing I say is, I'm wondering if they had a traumatic experience around that age. And usually the client says, well, yeah, that's when they moved across the country or that's when their father died or that's when um, a divorce happened in their family or that's when, and they can list off things that happened to their person at a certain time in life. And what we know is in many people's stories, if you don't have people to walk with you through hard stuff, you become emotionally stunted. And usually it's an emotional stunt that happens right at the time period of a trauma. So you stop emotionally developing and you start using defensive strategies and coping strategies and you don't emotionally mature. So that's what we're dealing with in therapy so often. That's what I'm dealing with in my own story. When I talk about my therapeutic journey, I'm, I'm grappling with that six-year-old person that shows up quite often when I feel vulnerable and I'm showing up or I'm, I'm trying to dissect and understand and improve from that 15-year-old that shows up with her defensiveness and her anger and her... Um, her, her sarcasm, those are my particular story points where I've got some work to do. I assume if you look into your history and you have bad coping strategies, there's things going on in your past that help explain it, but don't let your past help justify it. And that's where I kind of wanted to end up today. Thank you so much for taking any time to tune in here. It's always appreciated. As always, if you have questions, um, feel free to reach out to me through email at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Also, I think I was able to get everything on Spotify. So we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, um, Soundwave, SoundCloud. I get that one wrong all the time. It's SoundCloud. Um, yeah, pretty much anywhere you can access uh, podcasts, you can access this one. 
Also, for the record, you could share it if you wanted to, and that's always appreciated. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good rest of your day, and I hope you enjoy your week.